Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, AJ Hogue, where AJ's more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's AJ with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. Hi, I'm AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native. That's my book. Effortless English. Learn to speak English like a native. Guess what? The audiobook, my audiobook, is free. That's right, free for you. The regular book, the text, that book you have to buy, but it's not expensive. It's only $7.99 at Amazon.com, at Kobo.com. The audiobook is free. Audiobooks are usually much more expensive. The regular price for my audiobook was $20. Now it's free for you. Easy to get my audiobook for free. You just go to my website, the same website, effortlessenglishclub.com slash book. So that's the page you want to go to. Slash book. So you just type in effortlessenglishclub.com and then slash that line, right? The forward line. And then book, B-O-O-K. Effortlessenglishclub.com slash book. Go there. Just enter your email and click the yellow button and you will get my audiobook, the whole audiobook. That's worth about $20, by the way. Free for you. I'm giving it to you as a gift for free. EffortlessEnglishClub.com forward slash book. Enjoy. Enjoy it. Enjoy that gift. Tonight, book club, a book club show live on Facebook, recorded too, of course. Continuing with our book club, the book is Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. So join me tonight live if you want to watch live. The good thing about watching live is you can ask questions directly at the end of that show as you know I answer questions continuing to learn how to get rich how to be financially free that's what I I prefer to say financially free people have different ideas about rich but financially free I think you have the idea financially free means you're not a slave to money Money works for you instead of you working for money. That's the difference. That's what financial freedom is. Robert Kiyosaki is teaching us the basics, the basic knowledge and the basic skills that we need to be financially free. That's our book club show tonight. I've got a quick question for you, by the way. A quick question. Need your help. 
how is the sound on these casual chats? I'm sure you've noticed some of my shows are coffee and talks or casual chats, walk and talks. I have different names for them. These are basically the casual chats that I do when I'm out outside somewhere. Sometimes I record them at a coffee shop. Right now, I am at Namba Parks, that rooftop park in Osaka, Japan. These shows, these casual shows, the outdoor shows, are recorded with a small portable recorder, a little small microphone recorder. My other shows are recorded in my home studio. Those shows, uh, I'm sure, have better audio quality, better sound quality, because I'm using a very nice microphone in my home studio. My home, my apartment is mostly quiet, certainly more quiet than outdoors. So better microphone, uh, better equipment in general, and a more quiet location means that the sound for those shows usually is excellent. But I'm curious, how is the sound for these shows? Is it good enough for you? I know it's not quite as good, but how is this microphone sounding to you? Can you hear me clearly? Number one, that's most important. But number two, is the pl- is the sound pleasant? You know, some cheap mics, the sound just isn't very good. It sounds like an echo or something. That it's just not f- nice to listen to. So I want you to enjoy these shows. I want you to enjoy the sound quality. Not just the English, but the sound quality should be good. So let me know. How can you tell me? Tell me on Twitter. Tell me on my Twitter, AJ Hogue, A-J-H-O-G-E, that's my Twitter, AJ Hogue. Just tell me, uh, hey AJ, the sound quality for the casual chats sounds great, or not good, you need to improve it, whatever, what's your opinion? Let me know on Twitter, A-J-H-O-G-E, I want to know your opinion. AJ Hogue on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, just today got an interesting tweet from at Nishant. That's the Twitter name, at Nishant. I don't know if that's a man or a woman. I have no idea. But anyway, at Nishant sent me a, f- a couple messages about Q. Really enjoying the shows I have done, the segments I have done, talking about Q. Very curious about Q. Nishant asks, you know, AJ, can you please do more shows? Maybe do a whole show just about Q. Teach us more about Q. It's really fascinating. Very interesting. Fascinating. Fascinating. Fascinating means super interesting. Well, I agree. I think this... Q story is super fascinating. Very, very interesting. I think it's fun, too. I think it's fun and fascinating. Fascinating. Q. So absolutely, Nishant and everybody else, I will be talking about Q. Definitely. I will continue to talk about Q. Why? Mostly because I'm super interested. I think it's super fascinating myself. 
a couple of years ago, before the American presidential election, before that election, WikiLeaks released start well I'll say not just one time several times they released started releasing information information that they got about the CIA right that evil organization in the United States information they got from the the Democrats one of the political parties and we learned all kinds of things about the terrible corruption we learned that the media the news media was working with the Democrats, Clinton, her side, working with them to help her get elected. That they were, we learned that the CIA pays, pays reporters. It's a huge program. It's called Operation Mockingbird. Mockingbird. And the American government pays reporters, pays people in the media to report what they want. Not just American media, worldwide they do this, but they do it in America also, which honestly used to be illegal. It should be illegal. We learned all of this from WikiLeaks because the media, the news media, is completely corrupt. They're liars, 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 can't trust them. So of course they're not gonna tell us that they're receiving money from the CIA. So how did we learn? We learned from WikiLeaks, and that's why poor old Julian Assange is still locked in the Ecuador embassy in London, trapped, basically a prisoner, although they're trying to, the British are trying to get him out and punish him. They're not happy that all this information came out. The people in the American government and British government were leaking. Leaking means to... Right, to secretly, to, to give out secret information, to give out secret information, to leak. It has other meanings, of course, but in the news, it means to give out secret information. So people who saw all this evil stuff happening, they started to leak it to WikiLeaks. So we learned a lot of interesting information. It's also some other very disturbing emails from very high-level people in politics in the United States. But all this information hidden by the media, hidden by CNN and NBC and the BBC. And now we understand why they're getting paid by the CIA and others to hide this information. So super fascinating if you followed it, I did, before the election two years ago. You learned all kinds of interesting secrets. Now this is, and this is evidence by the way, it's confirmed. This WikiLeaks information is confirmed as real. In fact, the Democrats were super, super angry about all this information getting out. They, they have sued WikiLeaks. <laughs> Which, of course, is foolish. More Streisand effect. They're drawing attention. They drew more attention. They brought more attention to WikiLeaks by doing all that. And they confirmed that it was all true by doing that. But maybe they're not so smart after all. So anyway, what's the point about that? Well, the point is Q is very similar to WikiLeaks. With Q, what we're getting is another... 
someone's leaking or giving out all this information now. This somewhat secret information. The information that the news media is trying to hide. That the CIA and others are trying to hide. And so once again, we're getting this information leaked out on the internet. So I find it very fascinating. It's super fascinating, super interesting. And honestly, it's kind of fun too. It's kind of fun to follow. It's kind of fun to start seeing this information come out. And if you follow Q, I've followed Q for a while. A lot of things that Q leaks, that Q says, later come true. For example, Q predicted peace with North Korea predicted it long before it happened when everyone thought that was crazy no possible chance and guess what it happened he predicted step by step I'll say he but it's probably a group of people but we'll just say he to make it simple Q predicted that and Q has predicted many other things these are called Q proofs Q proofs to prove the noun would be proof And if it's more than one, proofs with an S. So these are called Q proofs. And this means things that Q predicts that later happen, that later turn out to be true. They confirm that Q is real, that Q is giving real information. Interesting. Q proofs, what they're called. Now, what Q is telling us, by the way, is that there is now a civil war in the United States. I agree. Now, this is not a civil war of an open civil war of fighting and guns. We might call it a cold or a covert civil war. Cold. When we talk about a cold war versus a hot war, that's some good English there. You'll see this in the news. A hot war is a, is a, like a shooting war. It's like people are... It's, it's regular war, just like you think, right? World War II was a hot war. People shooting each other with guns and killing each other. A cold war is, is it's like a more of a quiet... Like a political war, diplomatic war, economic war, where it's not armies shooting each other and bombing each other openly it's kind of a secret war that's what the word covert means by the way covert covert war that's another phrase covert means secret so a covert war is a secret war and a cold war is a conflict without armies directly fighting each other. The most famous example, of course, the United States versus against the Soviet Union. That was the Cold War. If we use the, the Cold War, we're talking about the Soviet Union and the United States, all the kind of smaller conflicts they had. Mostly it was diplomatic and economic and spies, spies against spies. And that was the Cold War. Right? The armies of the Soviet Union never fought directly against the, the armies of the United States. So 
so what Q is saying is that right now, the United States is in a cold civil war, or we'd say covert, secretive civil war. I agree. I agree completely. It's a political war, economic war, where there are two sides in the United States and in American society, and they hate each other and want to destroy each other. People used to call this liberals and conservative, but that's not really quite right. That's a very old idea. I would say it's more nationalists, people who are pro-American, versus globalists, people who are anti-American, who are trying to weaken America. doesn't matter what you call both sides. But what's important and what Q's teaching us and what we're learning also and from other things is that this war, this secret cold war, this secret civil war in the United States is happening inside of the American government, uh, the media, internet, all of this, right? These globalists versus the nationalists. So inside the U.S. government, you've, you have what's called the deep state. That's, the, for example, the CIA and FBI. It's all these kind of secretive organizations. And inside these organizations, you have strong, powerful groups that are anti-American, that are what are called globalist. They want a one-world government is the idea. They want to weaken the United States and other countries, too. And then, within the United States government, you also have nationalist people who are pro-American. And they want to protect the American people, American culture, all of that. So these are the two groups, that, and they're, they're not openly fighting. The media is not going to openly talk about all of this, but this is what's happening. And this is what Q is giving us information about what's happening that the media is not showing us. So f- super fascinating, very interesting, and what it's a kind of red pill again. It's a, it gives you a more real view of the world instead of just the lies of the media. If you just watch the media, you'll be very confused about what's happening. You won't understand because they're lying, lying, lying all the time about Korea, for example, North Korea. They lied, 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 and. Uh, for months they were kept talking about how Trump was going to create war with North Korea and and then the next then when that didn't work then they tried different lies that he was going to surrender to North Korea and then what happened peace a war that has been going on for over 50 years is ending Q predicted that said it was happening the media lied about it so does everything Q say come true is is it all true no not necessarily but it's it's a more independent trustworthy interesting source of information than these big news organizations which cannot be trusted at all So you don't want to completely 100% trust just Q. You want to 
also look for other independent sources. Like I've said in past shows, you've got to find lots of different sources and you want them to be independent. Not these big corporations, which cannot be trusted. But Q is a very, very, very interesting source. So I'm going to keep talking about Q just because it's fascinating. I think it's super fun and interesting to follow it. You know, the WikiLeaks stuff was really fun. Very fun and interesting also. And guess what? That WikiLeaks stuff had a big influence on the American election. It woke up a lot of people. So there's a good chance that Q is going to do the same, which is why the news media is starting to attack Q. And this is the other nice, interesting thing, another benefit of following Q. You get to see, you will get to see, the various techniques of the lying media, how they try to attack a source they don't like. So right now, they're putting out all these stories of dangerous, dangerous, Q is dangerous. People who follow Q are dangerous. This is their story. It's called a narrative. A narrative means a st- the story, the, the, the story they all agree on, that they try to push. So suddenly all these news organizations at the same time are trying to push this story, the same story, right? Called a narrative, an agreed on story. And the story they all agree on is that it's dangerous. Why would they be doing this, you ask? Because there's actually nothing dangerous, and none of the Q people, the people who follow Q and wear Q t-shirts and are excited about Q, interested in Q, they're all peaceful people. You can watch the the, the rallies or the meetings where Trump that Trump had, and you see the people in the audience wearing their Q shirt. They're just normal Americans. They're nice. They're couples and families. So where does this idea of dangerous come from? Why are they pushing that? So again, you have to ask why. There's no evidence that there's any danger. So what are they pushing? They're pushing a story. They're trying to create a story to get people scared so that they don't look into Q so they don't follow Q so they're afraid of Q this is the first step one of the first steps of the lies right remember yesterday we talked about they do this with when they want a war one of the first things they do is they oh this leader is dangerous dangerous try to pump up create all this fear he's dangerous and evil what's usually the next step that they do which probably what they're going to do with Q Just watch. It's probably going to happen. What do they do next? Do you know? Well, if you you know the media history, you you should know because this has happened again and again and again. (gasps) With all our recent wars, meaning recent, meaning the last 30 years, 40 years even, all the way back to the Vietnam War in the United States, what do they do next? It's called a false flag. False flag. False flag means a fake attack. A fake attack that they blame on the enemy, right? They blame, they, they do an attack themselves, CIA or whoever, and then they blame it on the enemy to make everybody even more angry, to prove that the enemy's dangerous. And then that becomes the excuse for the war or for whatever they want. Sometimes they want to pass certain laws, so they create a false flag attack. Now, one of the most famous examples of this, which has now been proven as a false attack, is the attack that 
that basically started the Vietnam War in America. America going to war aggressively against Vietnam. It's called the Gulf of Tonkin Incident, and it was a fake attack. The U.S. Navy said that the Vietnamese attacked one of their ships in this location, the Gulf of Tonkin. That's why it's called that, because of the location where it supposedly happened. And of course, the lying media put it out on television and newspapers, American ship attacked in Gulf of Tonkin. And it got everybody super angry and, ah, we have to fight back. We have to go to war against the Vietnamese. And guess what we found out? It was a lie. It didn't happen. They faked it. It was a fake attack, a false flag used as an excuse to go to war. And how many, how, what, what, what a huge number of people died in that war on both sides. This is what they do. In Iraq, it was chemical attacks. Oh my god! Saddam Hussein is attacking everybody with chemical weapons! They're killing babies! That's all, that's a common one sometimes with war. They're killing babies! And we find out later. Oh, oh, actually, no. Fake. Another false flag attack. A fake attack. Sometimes the attack is real, but it's not the enemy is not the enemy that they blame somebody else does it they do it the cia does it or some other group does it and then they they pretend to be a different group that's why it's called false flag or fake flag meaning they it's one group but they're pre- pretending to be another group so they can blame that other group and this is what's probably going to happen with q because you can see they're setting it up because this is the, the formula they use all the time so first they're saying q's dangerous there's no evidence of that there's no danger at all just a bunch of nice people just like me who find it interesting and fascinating to see this leaked information So why are they saying dangerous, dangerous? Because what they're going to do next is they're going to do a false flag. They'll do an attack. They'll they'll have some crazy person uh, attack a reporter. Maybe kill him. Maybe not kill him, but just attack him. Or attack someone else. Some violent thing, maybe a bomb, something like that. And then they'll say, this person is a follower of Q. See? They're dangerous. And then they'll try to create this big anger against the, anyone who follows Q. They'll try to then say, look, it's proof. This is evidence. This, this Q person or people, they're super dangerous. Oh, you can't trust them. Don't, don't read what Q's saying. Don't, don't listen to the information. We have to destroy them. It's the same technique every single time. First, they create the story, the idea, the, what's called the narrative. They want you to believe. They, they try to set it up first. That's what they're doing now, step one. Step two, usually the false flag. And after the false flag, then they push hard, t- screaming and yelling and all the media about how evil this enemy is. It doesn't matter was the Vietnamese or the Iraqis or whoever it's going to be Q next just watch this is why it's interesting to follow Q because if you actually go and follow Q you'll see there's nothing violent at all 
Q never encourages violence. The exact opposite. The Q, the Q posts, the Q leaks also disc- always discourage violence. Always encourage peace and, and just to understand and to research and to find the truth. That's all Q says. Never violence. So you go and you follow and you, you'll see the truth and then you, you'll watch the media and you'll see how clear their lies are. Because when you know the truth, when you're actually looking at the direct real information, the actual posts from Q, and then you go and you look at these news media reports, dangerous, oh, violent. You'll see, ah, this is the narrative. And then when the false flag happens, you will immediately be suspicious. Hmm, this is very suspicious. That they had all these stories about danger, 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 and then, oh, what do you know? Then finally somebody has does some kind of violence, and oh, they just happen to be a follower of Q. Q's been around for, what, a year and a half, no violence at all. So why suddenly the story? You see how it works? So I encourage you to join the fun. Join the fun. It's fascinating. It's interesting. It doesn't matter if you completely trust. Don't completely trust any source. Of course not. But just follow it and see, right? Just get the information. Just like with WikiLeaks, you get the information and then you watch and see. With WikiLeaks, when it first came out, I didn't know if it was true or not. I was like, this is interesting. Is this real? So I just waited and watched. And guess what? It got confirmed. The evidence came out. It was all true. It was real. Fascinating. Fascinating. I recommend the same with Q. Follow it. Don't just blindly accept it. Of course not. But follow it. See the information. And then wait and see. Just wait and see. Hmm. Is this true or not? Let's see. Is there more evidence that's going to show that it's true? And then watch the news media and see the obvious lies. It's a, it's a really good education in media and how the lying fake news media works. And why they are indeed the enemy of truth and the people. So where can you follow Q? There are lots of different people will post. You can follow directly on 8chan, but that's kind of difficult. It's a difficult website to follow. There's a lot of spam and garbage on there. So it's, it's easier to follow the Q stuff on a website where they collect all of his posts or their posts. There's a bunch of people out there who just do this. They follow on 8chan where the posts happen, and then they collect them and they post them somewhere else without all the other garbage. That's the easiest way. So uh, one of the best ones, I think, is Neon Revolt. I've recommended it several times. I'll recommend it again. Check it out. NeonRevolt.com. N-E-O-N-R-E-V-O-L-T. NeonRevolt.com. Great place to follow the Q stuff. Take some time. You might read it first. It might seem confusing. So just read through the posts. As I said, it's been around for a while. Q's been around a, a while. There are almost 2,000 posts from Q. So you might need a little time (laughs) to read and understand it. But it's fine. I'll give you updates about it too. Finally, I want to end with the slogan of Q. Q gave us a slogan, like a motto. Kind of like a code, really. This shows Q 
Q's thinking and Q's principles and again that it's non-violent completely non-violent and it's a phrase and the code is this where we go one we go all where we go one we go all sometimes people just write wwg1 wga if you see that these letters with w's and g's now you'll know what it means where we go one we go all what does that mean and where does it come from First, where does it come from? It comes from President Kennedy. Remember, Kennedy was assassinated back in the 60s. President Kennedy. And Kennedy had a boat, his own private boat. And on the boat, um, there was a bell on the boat. Ding, 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 ding. And this phrase was written on the bell. So it was kind of one of Kennedy's mottos, one of his personal mottos. Where we go one, we go all. What does it mean? It means we're all on the same team. We're all in this life together. We're not separate. You know, if we think of the earth or think of our, even our individual country as a boat, right? Wherever that boat goes, everybody on the boat goes the same place. If the boat goes left, everybody on the boat also goes left, right? When you're on a boat, you're all on the boat together. You're all in it together. One person can't go right and then everyone else goes left. It doesn't work, right? If you, if you try to go the opposite direction of the boat, then you go into the water and you drown. Where we go one, we go all. So what Kennedy meant by that is that he was, of course, he was the president of America, so he was focused on the United States. It means everyone, wherever the country goes, it will, we all go together. If the country goes down, if the country has problems, everybody in the country will suffer. Nobody will completely escape it. If the country does well and, and is prosperous and free and everything is improving, then everyone in the country is going to improve. We're all in it together. One team, one family. This is the idea. The idea that we're all one family. We're all in this. And we can even extend it to the whole earth, right? We're on this planet together. And some people think, oh, I can, I can be evil and do all this terrible stuff and cause all these problems for everybody and violence and war and lying. But eventually they get affected too because if they make the world a worse place, it affects everybody because we're all on this planet together like a ship. If the ship starts to sink, everybody on the ship will go down, right? There's no escape. You're all on the ship together. This is the idea of Q, that Q's saying, that we're all in this together. We're all one family. We're all one group. And if one group if, if, if the country as a whole if the world as a whole becomes violent or diseased or sick or immoral then it will affect every single one of us none of us will escape so we have to work together we have to be together as a family as a group I quite like that I like it where we go one we go all
Okay, so that's Q, neonrevolt.com. Check it out. I'll be talking more about Q. I find it so interesting and fascinating. I think it's really fun to follow, so I'll talk more about it. I follow it every day myself, so I'll give you updates. Moving on. Still doing my ketogenic diet. Day three, I believe it is, of my keto diet. Or, or ketogenic diet. How's it going? Going well. Feeling really good now. Feeling good. My sugar cravings, my desire for sugar, back to normal. Quite low. I don't feel that strong desire. I must have something sweet. I must have some sugar. I must have some carbs. It's pretty much gone now. And that's the main reason I do this ketogenic diet is to break the addiction. It's like detox. It really is. It's just like an addiction. It's just like drugs or alcohol. It is so similar to that. I'm sad to say. This is what alcoholics have to do. They have to go through detox. So if an alcoholic, a serious alcoholic, decides to quit drinking, guess well during the first week or so they don't drink they feel terrible right they their body shakes it's actually quite dangerous for a serious alcoholic they can even die from this so a lot of times they have to go to a hospital and people have to watch them and take care of them so the sugar's not quite that bad <laughs> i'm but like i said i'm only half joking when i say it's an addiction like drugs because it, it is an addiction it sugar has a, a physical effect a chemical effect on your body that is similar to similar to drugs certain drugs like cocaine and similar to alcohol it's not as serious immediately short term but definitely has long-term bad effects now luckily using my ketogenic diet i'm able to detox from sugar (laughs) detoxify is what that means tox toxify toxic means poison so detox means unpoison right take out the poison release the poison detox detoxification is the full word it's a noun and the the verb would be to detoxify, but we usually shorten it. We shorten it because that's kind of long, kind of hard to say a lot, right? So we just say detox. And detox you can use as the noun or the verb. I need to detox. I am detoxing. I'm going through a detox. That's the easy way to use the word. So my sugar detox has been quite easy because I'm doing it using this ketogenic diet. As I said yesterday, I'm using that ketone powder, which helps so much with the sugar cravings, the desire for sugar, and the headaches which can come. So I haven't had no headaches. The, the craving is gone already after just three days. It wasn't even that bad the last two days. So that's good news. Breaking that addiction again. Back to eating well again. Now one of the great benefits, as I mentioned before, yesterday I think I mentioned it, one of the great benefits of this ketogenic diet is mental clarity. If you fast, if you've ever fasted, some people fast, some people fast for health, some people fast for religious purposes, Right? Fasting just means not eating food. 
for some time period. There's there are lots of different ways to fast, which we can talk about another time. But anyway, one of the benefits of fasting, if you've ever done fasting before, one of the great benefits of fasting is mental clarity. It's your mind gets very clear, super clear. It's hard to describe it if you you need to experience it. So I've done fasting in the past. I've done full fasting, which means no food at all. And I've done other types of fasts. And that's one of the main benefits. It's one reason that religions use fasting. Because it clears your mind. It calms your emotions. It's another common benefit of fasting. Your emotions, your desires, your cravings all get weaker. So this is why so many religions use it. Because one of the... One of the common goals of many religions, as, a, as one step in a religion, is to calm your, your unhealthy desires, right? If that can be very tough to do, fasting helps a lot. So I feel calmer. My mind is more clear. It's fantastic. I love it. It feels great. So I'll update you. I'll do this v- super low-carb diet probably for another week at least. And then I'll gradually start eating healthy carbs again. But still, I'll stay, I'll stay fairly low-carb after that. Back, my normal diet will still be fairly low-carb, but I'll eat maybe a little bit of fruits. Because obviously that's generally healthy as long as you don't do it too much, too much sugar. But fruit overall, of course, is healthy. And I'll, I'll eat a little bit of rice, just not huge amounts. And of course, veggies and all the other stuff. Veggies and meats and fish and all that. Another update from yesterday. Yesterday I talked about college football and the Georgia Bulldogs. Let's talk more about that. The dogs. So yesterday I told you about the Southeastern Conference, the SEC. This is one of the college football conferences, and it is the best one. That's my opinion, and I think there's strong evidence to support that opinion. The SEC is the best. Any SEC fan will tell you that. <laughs> Rather enthusiastically. SEC fans are very, very enthusiastic. And this was another interesting thing about this is that... So I mentioned the SEC has, I think it's 14 teams. Right? There's an East Division and a West Division in the SEC. Georgia is in the East. And of course, the fans are crazy, 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 super loyal to their team. I'm a Georgia fan because I went to the University of Georgia. So there's a strong local connection too. You know, people who go to that university become strong fans. People who live in the state, in that area, also become very strong, passionate fans of their favorite team. Mine is the Georgia Bulldogs. In addition to that, there is a kind of pride among all the SEC teams. So, of course, you love your own team, specifically. Yeah, my team's the best. I love the Georgia Bulldogs, or I love Alabama, or whatever. So, we got an announcement in the background in Japanese, guys. Sorry about that. 
in addition to this, in addition to this, um, one second, I'm going to move, see if I can get away from this announcement. The Japanese love their announcements. Um, I don't think this is an improvement. I don't know. Seems like there's no avoiding it. It's one of the things I don't like about Japan. They do these public announcements constantly everywhere you go, and they're really loud and kind of pointless. <laughs> I don't <laughs> it gets a little annoying sometimes when, you, when you're wanting some quiet and everywhere you go, blah, 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 talk, 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 talk. And they just they seem to go forever, too. Like, they just won't stop talking. Okay, anyway, back to the SEC. So SEC. There's also pride in the, the conference. So everyone likes their individual team, but we also pr are kind of proud, the fans are proud because we all know and believe that our league, right, our conference is the best. So it's got the toughest competition. So at the end of the season, at the end of the season, when, for, when there's the national championship tournament, if your team's out, if your team doesn't go, then it's very common to support one, any other SEC team because if your team can't win, then you at least want someone from your conference to win, right? Because it's kind of this pride in our league, the SEC. So if Georgia doesn't, didn't go to the championship game, then I would want Alabama to win, for example. We still, we want the southern teams. It's kind of a southern pride, a pride in the southeast. So we want a southern team to win. Of course, we want our own team to win first. So the SEC, as I said yesterday, has two divisions, right? It's divided into two smaller groups in the SEC, the West and the East. It's simple. It's just geography. The Eastern States and the Western States. Georgia's in the East of the SEC. And I mentioned then that Georgia has some rivalries, certain rivalries, three especially, three really big ones. And these are teams they play every year. And there's just extra emotion in those rivalries. And I mentioned that probably the biggest one, probably the biggest one is against Florida. The Georgia-Florida game is a huge rivalry with so much emotion. Let's talk more about the Georgia-Florida game. It has the nickname, the world's biggest cocktail party. The world's biggest cocktail party. That's what they call the Georgia-Florida game. So this should give you an idea <laughs> of what, the <laughs> what it's like. <laughs> so a cocktail party, I mean cocktails, all right, drinks, alcoholic drinks, mixed drinks. So as you can imagine, it's one big, gigantic party before and even during the game and after the game. Every single year. And there's something special about this game. A couple of special things. Number one is they play the game in a neutral stadium. They always play the game in a neutral stadium. What does that mean? It means they don't... Usually, for most football games, every other game, in fact, they play in regular season... 
they play in, you know, home or away, right? So Georgia plays at home. They play in Athens, Georgia. That's their home stadium. And in some games they play away. They play in the other team's home stadium. But for the Georgia-Florida game every year, they do not play at Georgia and they do not play at Florida. They play at a third location, right? This is called neutral, right? A third location. It's in Jacksonville, Florida. It's, it is in the state of Florida, but it's up north and it's not at the University of Florida. So it's a neutral stadium. The second thing they do is that they give half the tickets to Georgia to sell and the other half they give to Florida, the University of Florida to sell. So you get about half of the stadium is full of Florida fans and half is full of Georgia fans. So it's 50-50 in the stands. If you watch the game, you'll see about half the stadium will be red and the other half will be orange and blue. The Florida colors are orange and blue. The Georgia colors are red and black. Now, part of this cocktail party thing, (laughs) part of the cocktail party tradition is something called tailgating. 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 I think I've mentioned this before, but let's talk about it again. Tailgating is a tradition of American sports, but especially football and especially, especially college football. It's such a big part of college football. Tailgating. Where does this word come from? To tailgate. Well, it comes from a noun. Tailgate is the back part of a car. It's the back part of a car. That's your tailgate. So the very back, where the lights are, right in the back of the car. We call that the tailgate. So what does this verb mean, to tailgate? It means to have a party, like a barbecue or a little party, next to your car. Now, originally, of course, it came from people who would park their cars at the stadium, at the football stadium, before the game, like several hours before the game, sometimes a day or more before the game. And then they would s- they set up chairs, sometimes a little tent, sometimes a barbecue, behind or next to their car, and then they just sit there and they have a party, they have a little barbecue, and then, of course... Everybody's doing it, or lots of people are doing it, so the whole parking lot is full of cars that are all having these little tailgate parties. Tailgate parties. Now, over the years, this has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, and now, with college football especially, a lot of people bring whole big RVs, recreational vehicles, RVs. RVs, those are those big things. They look like trucks almost, right? And inside they have beds. Some of them are really, really nice. Some inside they have little kitchens, refrigerators, showers, bathrooms, beds. Those are the expensive ones. And of course, they're also simpler ones. And so it's very common if you go really any college football game, but especially the big Georgia-Florida game, go to this... Go to Jacksonville. Just go to the city and go, especially around the stadium. You will see these RVs everywhere. and People will be outside having barbecue parties. Yeah, usually one or two days before the game. But especially the day before the game and the day of the game. The same day as the game. 
This is why it's called a cocktail party, because during these little tailgate parties, everybody's drinking cocktails, or lots of people are. So there's this big, huge party before the game, and then they play the game. And then afterwards, another party, especially the winner's side, has a big party. This rivalry, this game started back in 1904. 1904 was the first game between Georgia and Florida. So it's very, it's over 100 years old, this rivalry. So that's very old, especially for American history. 100 years old, Georgia and Florida playing against each other. And there's a long history then with these games. Lots of many, many, many dramatic games, surprise wins, surprise losses. Big, big emotion in these games. The Georgia-Florida game. We'll talk more about the Georgia-Florida game as the season starts. Now, one of the reasons it's a big rivalry is that Georgia and Florida, the two states, are next to each other. So it's, it's a little bit of a local rivalry. You've got the two states are next to each other. So it's easy to see fans from each state, Georgia and Florida. Now, as you know, I am talking to you from Osaka, Japan right now. Summer. Another bright, sunny day. Bright blue sky, strong sun. Nice day to be at the park here, on the rooftop park. I was thinking today more about English and travel. And how easy it is for me to travel because I speak English. I've been to many, many countries. I've been to most regions of the world, Central America, and Mex- Mexico, all different places in Asia, Europe. And I have been able to travel with eh, really no problems, certainly no serious problems, using English. Sometimes a few local words. Sometimes I, you know, I do ha- learn s- a few. But, but to be honest, I have been able to travel in all these different places with English. Does that mean everybody speaks English around the world? Does they speak it fluently? No, of course not. They don't. But they usually speak just enough. Just enough. Because I can speak well. I can communicate what I need. Just enough. You know, to, when you're traveling, you don't need perfect English. If you want to have a conversation, of course, you need a higher level. You need to be more advanced. But just to get a bus ticket or a taxi, or order from a restaurant, you don't need very much, actually. You don't need so much. With just a a decent amount, a decent amount of English, you can travel. You can do just fine. Getting your hotel rooms, all of that basic stuff. It's it's just so powerful because I've been to so many countries And that's a lot of languages. If I had to learn all those languages to travel, I I would never 
never would never have visited all of those places. You know, India. If I had to learn Hindi to travel in India, uh, I'd be lost. Right? And Malay for Malaysian and Thai for for Thailand and Italian and Spanish and right? On and on and on and on. But what's great, one of those great opportunities that we have, you and I both, is that with our English, we can go almost anywhere in the world. It's a world language. It is now a world language. Of course, that's why everybody's learning it. But just, it, it opens the world to you. You can travel anywhere. People don't expect you to learn their, lo- their local language, especially if it's a smaller country. And they, they don't expect that, of course. They know that everybody in the world can't learn Thai, for example. So Thai people don't expect foreigners to know Thai. They absolutely don't expect that at all. So what do they expect? Well, they expect you to tr- use English. It doesn't matter if you're American or Italian or German or Japanese. They expect you to speak in English when you go to the hotel. That's the first language they'll try to use on you will be English. Even the taxis, who often don't speak much at all, (laughs) will try a little bit of English with you. That's such good news for you. It's so cool, right? Even just with your level now. I know you're not happy with your English level now. I know you have a high standard. You have high goals. You want to be very advanced. Yes, I understand that. Of course. That's good. You have high standards. You're an independent learner. You're very motivated. I understand. I understand that's what the Effortless English family is like. That's good. You have high standards. Good for you. I do want to encourage you, however, and to enjoy whatever level you have now because it's enough for travel. This is what I'm telling you. Even if your level, you feel like your level's not so great, eh, that's okay. It's okay. You don't need super fantastic English to travel to different countries. Now, to travel to an English-speaking country, yeah, maybe. Traveling to the United States, that could be hard if your English is low because most Americans do not speak other languages and they, they expect you to speak fairly well, <laughs> just the way it is. And that's probably true in Australia and England and New Zealand as well. So yes, for those countries, you probably do need a higher level of English. But for most other countries around the world, you can travel very well with just a basic level of English. So I encourage you to enjoy that. Get out there and travel a little bit. Use that English you have, even if it's low level. Use it. Use it. Take a trip someplace. Someplace interesting. Try it out. Use English to get your hotels. Use English for the taxi driver. Use English for the restaurants. You'll see that you will be just fine. You can enjoy it. You'll be just fine with whatever English level you have now already. That's great. Enjoy it. Keep working to improve, of course. 
and also enjoy the level you have now, especially by traveling. It's a great way to enjoy your English level. Use it to have great new experiences, interesting new experiences. That's been one of the great benefits to me as a, as a native speaker. Now, it does make me lazy about learning other languages, I'll be honest, because <laughs> I really don't need to. Uh, even here in Japan, I do pretty well, mostly with English. I, I, I know a bit of Japanese, but I just don't feel a strong motivation to learn it really well, because I just don't need it for my normal life. I don't know if it's bad or good. I think it's good for most of us because with this one language most of the world opens up to you if you want to learn more languages great go ahead nothing wrong with that but English is the big one of course we all know this this is why every country in the world is pushing English and forcing their children to learn English unfortunately they're using terrible methods in their schools you know the goal is nice to get everyone speaking English if they did it more effectively that would be better but oh well but anyway you're learning more effectively now you've got enough English get out there see the world travel enjoy it and hey when you feel like your level is getting good when you're getting to that advanced level like with my VIP program members that's when you test yourself with a trip to America or Canada or wherever. Okay, I'm going to go home now. I will be doing, again, reminder, the live book club show tonight. Continuing on with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We're getting closer to finishing. A few more chapters left. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And don't forget, my audiobook is free. My audiobook is free. You go to my website. You go to the page effortlessenglishclub.com forward slash book slash book. Effortlessenglishclub.com slash book giving you I'm giving you my free audiobook effortlessenglishclub.com slash book